I actually forgot to start recording that whole time. <laughs> so I'm just going to run through and read it again. Um, yeah. So more than you, uh, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. Second Corinthians 1 and 8 through 9. There are circumstances that come along that require more than you are humanly able to give. No matter how hard you try, they continue overwhelming you. In fact, the more you work to overcome your difficulties, the more they seem to defeat you. This is an indication that the Lord is stretching you, readying you to accept his power and wisdom for all you face. You see, he never meant for you to live the Christian life on your own. He meant it to be more than you can imagine. So do you fear that you won't stretch far enough or be able to do all that you've been called upon to accomplish? Does honoring God with all the challenges you face feel impossible? Good. You are ready to accept the help he is so willing to provide for you. Entrust yourself fully to the Father and discover how much he can do in and through you. So, I'm going to let you go. You got anything thoughts-wise? Um, I think this reminds me of kind of when you... Like when we be talking about our goals and aspirations and things that we want to do in life. And you can sit and you can think about it and you be like, I want to do this, but this seems like way bigger than me. Like, how in the world am I going to even accomplish this? I have this goal. I have this, you know, this um, inspiration to do a certain thing. But it just seems like way too big. And I think if we think about our life like that, our life is, it it should be, that's how we should basically think of our life, I feel. Um, The things that... He's saying where it feels like it's too big to do certain things, like where you have to rely on God. Yeah, or even if you find yourself doing something and you just be like, I don't even know how I just did it. Or I don't even know how, you know, I'm even going through this with you or walking through this with you or something like that. It's not, it's sure not me. It's, you know, Christ helping me, Christ in me, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, a lot of times we always be like, oh, my life is not my own. And we say it because it's, you know, it's in a song or because, you know, it's a common thing to say. Right. But in real life, you we do live life for others almost. I mean, we live life, you know, because... I mean, we live life for God and to edify and glorify God, but a lot of the stuff that happens to us or through us is for somebody else. You're right. So, yeah. Yeah. I think you made a good point, too, about, like, the whole um, goals thing. Because a lot of us, in that same vein, we live our lives going through, basically, just based on what we want or what we like, you know, like we try to find careers based on what we think they should look like. We try to find a spouse based on what we think he or she should look like. Like a lot of things we don't consult God about until we're in a bind because of us trying to go out there on our own. 
Like, you know, there's a reason Proverbs 3 and 5 through 6 says, you know, trust in the Lord, you know, don't lean to your own understanding. And yet we do that all the time. Mm -hmm. We lean to our own understanding first and then we trust God or then we want to go to God after we've made a mess of it. And it's like you could have just did that from the jump. Just start with God. You know what I'm saying? Stop letting God be your last resort. Um, I thought about that when I was reading, um, since I'm in the book of John right now, Jesus turning water into wine. Mm -hmm. That was something I never really thought about when the guy is like, man, usually they say the best for last, but you are, they say the worst stuff for last, but you brought the, you know, the best stuff for last or whatever. Like usually they wait till everybody's drunk and then they just give them all of the, you know, the whack stuff, but you say the best for last, right? And the note in um, the Life Application Study Bible, and I've never thought about this, is that Jesus is better than your vice. Literally, like they're at a, a wedding feast where the whole idea is to be celebratory. And how do we do that? We get drunk to celebrate, right? That's American culture in a nutshell. Like we celebrate so many things by getting drunk. Like that's <laughs> that's the whole thing, even as Christians. Like we'll get together and we'll have a holy drunk time <laughs> together. You know what I'm saying? Like. And we'll excuse it because it's fun and we'll use excuses to, you know, do it, even though the Bible says to avoid drunkenness. But that stuck out to me as somebody who's battled with addiction. Like Jesus is literally saying here, and that guy who says that phrase is proof, he's better than the physical things that you turn to. Like, I feel like we look at him a lot of times as like, he's the spiritual, all I need spiritually, but no, he's all you need physically too, right? Like when he met the woman at the well and she was thirsting and he told her that thirst wasn't just spiritual. She had her, it was a spiritual thing that manifested it in a physical way through her having all these relationships and failed marriages. And that's really all of our physical desires can be met through Christ in that same way. It's usually that we're thirsty, but the things we think we're thirsting after are just buffers when what we really are thirsty for is Jesus. And I think that's what I, what I realized, you know, like, um, I remember somebody said to me once, if you're having cravings for certain foods, it's not that you want those foods, you want the nutrients that those foods provide. But if you're not used to eating healthy, your body's going to automatically want the junk instead of the actual stuff that'll really take care of what you're really craving. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's not that you're craving, you know, weed or alcohol or whatever. You're craving something to make you feel whole, to help you to escape to whatever, you know. But instead of buying something that every day you got to go back to, it's just like Jesus is like, yo, I'm better than that. <laughs> like if you would try and see, you would see I can give you a fulfillment that, you know, alcohol can't give you and without a hangover, you know, like that kind of thing. I think with that, though, it's it's a it's a quick fix. It is. Because pursuing, you know, pursuing God and building a relationship with God is not a oh i pray to god and today me and god are stronger than ever like it's not like that and you can literally go out and get drunk feel happy for a little bit and then come back to reality and you still have to deal with whatever you have to deal with mm -hmm. but i think people and i mean you know for sure that you know people do those things to just get a way to escape just for a moment yeah and it's so i was thinking about when you were talking about 
when we um, pick careers and stuff that we want to do for our lives and stuff, a lot of times we go based off of what we like and what we, you know, want to do. And I was just thinking back to when I was 17, 18 years old and going, first of all, you got to pick a college. Mm -hmm. And then from picking a college, it's like, okay, well, after you pick a college, you got to declare a major. And in those times, it was like, I'm a church kid. I know, you know, church is ingrained in me to go to church. I believe in God, but that's pretty much all. It wasn't until like, you know, you really have a real, real, real relationship with God that you realize like, oh, I really need to trust in God to, you know, make these decisions in my life. And I mean, hindsight, of course, I probably would have made different decisions. Probably would have picked the same school, but maybe a different major. Right. But that kind of stuff is, it's 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 a learned thing. Because yeah. I, I mean, even yeah. if we had children and we tell our children every day, "Hey, make sure you," you know, I don't even know how to say it. Make sure you trust in God today. Make sure you you know learn practice trusting in God. You know something. <laughs> I don't really know. I mean, I feel like that's, I mean, my parents always tell my dad, you need wisdom. You need to pray for wisdom. You need to pray for wisdom. For a long time, I did not because I felt like he was calling me dumb until <laughs> I realized that I was making all these stupid decisions. And it was like, okay, well, maybe I do need to pray he had, for He wisdom. had the foresight of what you needed. Basically, you just weren't in a place where you could understand that that's yeah, what you needed. because yeah. I was a child. Because yeah. I, I mean, I didn't know what wisdom was as a kid. Like I, I thought that was just intelligence. Wisdom meant, uh, to me, you old and you telling me something. Yeah, like, that's what I associated wisdom like old and wise. That those words go together. <laughs> they do not. Like that's what I think. Well, no, no, yeah. I, I, want them, I want them. I want people to see me when I'm older and be like, she is an old wise woman. But there are some that are old and foolish. And so, in the words of my grandmother, but. I mean, it's it's the whole like letting God have control over your whole entire complete life is a is a you know how people make mantras over their lives and it's like oh twenty twenty is the year of this or that or maybe twenty twenty two is the year of this and that feels like this is twenty twenty part three and honestly. it's like if I declare over my life, my mantra for 2022 is my goal is to let God take complete control of my life. And every day I wake up and that is my goal. I feel like a lot of people's perspectives and minds will change. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree. I think that that's, that's what it comes down to. And that's really... The main thing, if we seek God above all else, we make it complicated, right? Matthew 6 and 33 tells us exactly what we need as Christians. Seek him first. Everything else will take care of itself. Like, you don't have to worry about what your career is going to be if you're seeking God. He'll show you what to do. 
Like, you don't have to worry about who to marry if you're seeking God. You don't have to worry about, like, anything at all if you're seeking God. Like, kind of like what Shaman preached, again, God, that whole point is God wants you to spend time focusing on Him. So, of course, He's going to take care of everything else so that you don't have to have all these competing thoughts in your mind getting in the way of you devoting your life to Him. He takes care of everything else. But the thing is, we spend so much time worrying about all those things anyway. And that suffocates a lot of times our desire to please God the way that we should. But um, I think the, the whole stretching thing really got to me um, in this because um, this is an indication that the Lord is stretching you, ready you to accept his power and wisdom for all you face. Um, he never meant for you to live the Christian life on your own. He meant it to be more than you can imagine. Um, I think that this this honestly spoke about me because that's where I was. Like before I feel like I got to this more authentic place of having a relationship with Christ. You you remember watching me all that time, you know, going through these constant phases of trying to clean my life up, trying to do better, blah blah blah. I'm different now, blah blah blah. Like but every time I failed because I kept trying to do it in my own strength. And I was doing it for the wrong reasons. Like, I would try to get my life together so that I could feel less guilty. I would try to get my life together so that you would look at me and feel confident as, as you know, your husband, that he's trying to be godly. Like, I would do it for every reason other than, God, I just want to please you. And I think now, after me having to go through all these changes and me hitting rock bottom the way I have, and finally just getting to that place of, you know, understanding that none of these things I'm turning to will ever satisfy me, like, that's when it was finally like, okay, God, I'm tired. I'm tired. Take me and do what you're going to do because I can't anymore. I can't live this double life where I'm, you know, this guy at church, but this guy uh, at home or I can't be this person who claims that, you know, I'm a Christian, but my life is showing everything opposite of that. It was tearing me apart, you know, inside. It was like this constant battle of being on the fence, you know, instead of picking a side that will always rip you apart. It is. So, question. Yeah. Remember when there were times when, well, people would approach you about doing stuff because one, they knew that you were very good at it. Two, um, they saw, maybe they saw something in you. It was like, oh, Charles would be good at doing this. And they would come to you and ask you to do it. Mm -hmm. And internally, you would have these um, doubts. Or you would have this, I really don't want to do this. Mm -hmm. I know I'm good at this, but I don't feel like doing it. I don't, you know, or um, even with the, you know, the job would elevate when you first was like, I don't think I could do this. And I don't, you know, and I was just like, no, sir, you definitely can do this. This would be a great thing for you. Do you think that that was one of the things where, oh my God, I just lost the line. Um, it was, so do you fear that you won't stretch far enough or be able to do all that you've been doing? I mean, that you've been called upon to accomplish. So do you feel like that at that point that you were not ready to stretch or, I mean, and I know I don't want to say, or was it that you just wasn't 
you know, just in a place to do it because I feel like that was a piece of it. But um, at one point you would tell me that I would be pushing you into doing stuff. So I would, you know, kind of talk you into doing stuff because I felt like you would be good at it and you mm-hmm. wouldn't do it. You would go ahead and do it because you didn't want one to make me mad or you didn't want to say no to people and stuff like that. Do you think now that that was a piece of like, okay, well, these people coming to me, maybe this is, you know, the stretch that is trying to be initiated and I'm just trying to fight against the stress. I mean, not the stress, the stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I really lost my question. I, no, now, I, I get what you, what you're asking. I think it was, it was definitely that, um, the feelings of inadequacy come if, you know, for instance, let's say I'm a, I'm a solid basketball player, um, but I know I haven't been putting up shots in the gym like I should, and the coach wants me to start and run the offense and all that in this big game, and I know I've been out here just eating McDonald's every day. I haven't been getting up and running and doing all the training I should be doing because sectionals is coming up, mm-hmm. and now it's here. And I'm being called upon to take a bigger role, but instead I'm shrinking back. And I'm like, well, what about him? Like, you know, he's solid too. Like, why is it? I think that, like, one, laziness spiritually was the biggest part of that. But also, two, when you don't know Jesus for real, your why is not going to last. So for me, I wasn't doing any of that stuff for God. I was just doing it because I felt like I was supposed to, right? That's not going to last because at some point feeling like you're supposed to will go away because you will rationalize why maybe I'm not supposed to do this after all. But when Jesus is the reason behind what I'm doing, that he doesn't change. He's not going to go anywhere. And if he's my why, then I'll always rise to the occasion. I'll always see, you know, when people come to me, I'll look at it through the lens of, is this ministry? Is this something that Christ would want me to do? Has he equipped me for this purpose? Or is this something that I just need to walk, you know, in faith with? And then he'll show me what I need to know along the way. And I think the reason why a lot of times I would say, you know, you are the reason I did it was because like, I feel like the Holy Spirit used you a lot of times because he knew I wouldn't stretch on my own. And he knew that I gave you this woman and you, you'll you listen to her if she says it. So I'm going to push her to push you because I still feel like all of that stuff was necessary in building, you know, the person that I've ultimately become all of those experiences. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, would, I didn't want to stretch. I definitely, I was lazy. I didn't see the point of it. I was cool with doing the bare minimum. Um, yeah. So, I mean, as far as having a real relationship with Christ, I feel like that's what, that's the catalyst that makes you want to do things. You know what I'm saying? Just like James saying, faith without works is dead. It's not that, you know, works save you. It's that if you have real saving faith in Jesus, it's going to come out in how you act. It's going to come out in you having a heart to help people and wanting to do ministry and make Jesus known and stuff like that. And so I think that's really what it was. That was the bigger piece of it. Um, but it, of not knowing Jesus will also lead to that spiritual laziness because you don't really feel a sense of urgency. You know what I'm saying? You don't feel a sense of urgency to tell people about Christ, to actually get involved, blah, 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 because you've set into this little, you know, comfortable space of I'm saved. 
you know, I come to church, I do this, but I don't really do much else, and that's okay, you know. So yeah, I think I just I was stagnant for for years because I didn't know Christ for real. I knew religion, you know, I knew the the organized setup of things. I knew how to put a suit on and come to church and say Christianese and you know do all this stuff, but I didn't have a real relationship with Christ until probably the last couple of years. So yeah, I mean. That, that I think is the biggest piece of why I just was so reluctant to do stuff. And I would ultimately go into it with my own strength when I did accept it. Because, again, I wasn't doing it for the right reasons. So, yeah. Anything else? No. All right. Um, so, the prayer for today. Jesus, I cast my cares upon you, knowing you are faithful to help me. Thank you for this opportunity to experience your provision. Amen. And the word, uh, final word for the day, in his presence, see beyond yourself. And I think that's that's a big thing, man. Like this life really, like you said it earlier, is is not ours. You know, um, Paul said it best to me. I've been, you know, crucified with Christ. You know, the life I live is now not my own, you know, um, that's a, a very, very real thing. So yeah, I think just viewing your life in that sense, like this is a rental car, you know, <laughs> like when you get a rental car, you, you know, you better keep that mug clean or you gonna have to deal with what comes with the consequences of not taking care of that rental. It's not yours. And the, you know, this temple we have is basically a rental car. You know, we just have a lease on it until he says time's up. And then the end, you got to account for how well you were steward over what he, he gave you, you know, in this life. So yeah, yeah. I think that's the, the biggest thing just knowing that this is bigger than us. Um, and that's something I have to constantly remind myself of, even now, you know, um, when I might feel tempted to shy away from doing things still, you know, I have to stop and ask myself, like, okay, this is bigger than me. God, is this something you want me to do? Not do I want to do it? Do I feel comfortable doing it? Like, am I too busy to do it? You know, we come up with all kinds of excuses when we don't want to do something. Um, but yeah, just remembering that it's not about what I want. It's, you know, it's about fulfilling God's, you know, call while I'm here because we don't know how long we're going to be here anyway you know so procrastinating and putting stuff off I don't think it's ever a good idea so hmm. yeah I, I don't know I, I think I look at any interaction or anything that happens on a day to day that wouldn't be a normal thing as okay there's a reason behind like us you know us i mean this happening or this you know so if i randomly run into a person that you know it's like okay what am i supposed to do at this moment or if somebody randomly crosses my mind it's like okay reach out to this person because just because and so, I mean, I I still have a long way to go, but I definitely try to live day to day to where I don't have to apologize for a whole lot of stuff. Like, I mean, I make it a point to apologize anytime I go to God in prayer, but I think that's because I that's just what I choose to do. I'm not saying everybody has to do that, yeah. but, um, 
I don't know. I just, I don't ever want to miss any more opportunities. I don't ever want to mishandle any opportunities. Like anytime I'm supposed to do anything for God or anything like that. That's always been a fear of mine to get up and just like mishandle an opportunity. Mm -hmm. So if I feel like I'm led to do something or say something, even on Sundays, it's like, okay. I don't want to talk. I just want to sing. And so it's like, all right, if I have to do this, then okay, I will do it. Um, never know who it's for or what it's for or yeah. anything like that. So, so you made yourself available. That's that's all it is. And I and I want to, you know, I want to be that way. I don't want to be the person that, you know, sings all this stuff and then don't live it out don't yeah no. so like you know you can sing a song lord i'm available to you my will i give to you i'll do what you say do use me lord that kind of thing and mm-hmm. even in that you can sing that and you can attempt to live that and then you can also ask god for help daily to do this yeah and, and so, you got to keep the focus that doing what he says do I think too often we think that that only applies to big things like oh God is urging me to do this but I think we can't neglect the small things either right. like that he's told you to do day to day because in order to know what he wants you to do in the big things you have to be faithful in the small things like where he talks about living righteously and avoiding sin and stuff like that you're not going to hear from God properly if your life is filled with sin like or you're filled with you know worldliness or whatever that stuff chokes out the holy spirit because the world is loud the spirit is a still small voice you got to clear the noise so that you can truly hear what he wants you to do but nah, what you said is honestly the mindset that I believe Christ wants. You said you wake up every day and you want to do these things. You may not be perfect in it, but like I said in one of my videos recently, that's what he cares about. Like I was like, the God, Jesus don't ask you to be there yet. The Holy Spirit does not ask you to be there yet. He asks you to be willing to give him fertile soil to work with. That's it. Like he knows we ain't going to be perfect. That's why we have grace. But a desire to not want to do the things that will offend your God will cause you to be cautious of that all the time or conscious of it all the time. Like, nah, I'm not going to do this because I know this would affect. You know what I'm saying? Like, I tell you from time to time how I'd be like, in the past, I would be like, I'm not going to do this because I know Tish is going to be upset. Or I avoided doing whatever because I knew how you would feel about it. Mm-hmm. That's If we can do that with human beings, that's exactly how we should be doing it with Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Same concept. Uh, maybe I shouldn't say this because God wouldn't like that. You know, maybe I shouldn't, you know, do this thing I'm going to do because that's not honoring to God, you know? So, I mean, that's something that I feel like that's, you have to have that. Yeah, because like, I'm the type of person, I mean, when I say curse word, <laughs> I say, I'm sorry, God. <laughs> and, and I mean, it's just, that's just, I'm an apologetic person to Jesus and to people. So it's just, I don't know. That's just how I'm set up. But I mean, that's, that's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, I think the only thing, you know, some people can get into the, the ritual of saying, I'm sorry, every time they pray to the point where it loses its meaning. 
You know what I'm saying? So I think that's that's a thin line that we have to be careful of that, you know, we don't lose the meaning because um, some people do that with prayer, period. Prayer is just so ritualistic and they just do it like a checklist item to the point where it's not intimate time speaking with your Heavenly Father. It's just I'm praying because this is what I'm supposed to do or I'm saying I'm sorry because this is what I'm supposed to do, but I'm not actually repentant for the things that I've been doing. I'm just saying sorry out of habit, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think. A regular habit of praying and saying, God, forgive me for the things I've done, knowingly, unknowingly, whatever. I think that's good for the purpose of always keeping you in the mindset that you need his grace. Um, but I think that at the same time, you know, it has to be something we take seriously when we pray it so that it doesn't just turn into words, you know, empty words where we don't even we're not thinking about the sin we're talking about at the time. We just saying it to say it, you know. So, yeah, man. Um that's all I got on this. You good? Yeah. I bet. Mm-hmm.